Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At my bike, 204 DGS. Coming up next, we have Ricky Horton. Uh, Wheels, what's going on? So the whole working from home back to the office thing has been a big deal ever since covid and was it yesterday or the day before the the CEO of Amazon, Andy Jassy, put out a memo basically saying, we're going back to the office and some of you that are remote workers, if you don't like it, well, then you're probably not going to be a part of our future plans. Mm-hmm. And that has a lot of people like big mad, like, Whoa, why, why, why? And I, I understand wanting to work at home. It, when I did some of it, it's kind of nice. You don't have to get up too early. You don't have to commute. You don't have to do anything. It's still the job, and the employer still gets to determine what the requirements are for employment, right? Yeah. I think it's a fascinating topic, and and I really don't know because I never worked from home because it, it would be impossible for me. I don't, have, I don't have the discipline. But were we wrong all these decades, and we shouldn't? I mean, obviously, we didn't have technology. But, right. Or right. are we just lazy now? And truly going to work is going to work. And I know it's different for everyone, but there's got to be one that's more true than the other. Mm. What, what's what's stunning to me, though, is the replies, like one of the first reply was, well, then they should be paid more. Well, no. I mean, all these years we've gone to work and your pay was a part of, un- unless you're taking a discounted rate to not come in. But then if it's not specified in your employment agreement, whether you have a contract or just it's the basic terms of employment. Unless it's specified, we all have to do what the what the boss says, and they're not wrong. Now, it might blow up on Amazon. They might lose a lot of really good workers who don't want to commute, who don't want to do it, and they will leave, and they will find something else. But isn't that kind of the point? I mean, I had a job at a radio network that moved its headquarters from Chicago to L.A., and the choice was you can come with them and pay your own way or not. But that's their right to do that. That's their company. And what I'm curious to see about is if some place like Amazon is so big that it doesn't matter if a bunch of people quit. Mm. Um, I think, yeah. I think. And, I, and I think it is. I think that's kind of the point. But there's the debate now. It's like, well, what about the well-being of the employees? And I think we all care about that. I care about that. I'm not a business owner. I'm an employee. I think employees needs should be cared about by the employees. Although is that synonymous? It is is working in an office now synonymous with being somehow mistreated? That's how the that's how a lot of the argument is. It's not everybody, obviously. It's like everything else. It's a there's a debate about it. So, there are a lot of people that are like us that are like, well, all right, 
if you don't like the terms of employment where you are, go get a different job. I, I didn't like the jobs I had before this one, but I had a blast working at them. <laughs> you know? I mean, I liked working in all. How many friends did you make? Tons. All of them. Yeah. Somebody really close to me is in a working from home situation and trying to get pulled back into a going into an office situation. And they're they're very, very they and their partner are very, very it's the same thing with the with their partner are very, very upset about the situation. And it's like, well, it's absurd. They can't make us do that. They can't make us go back to going into the office and stuff. And I think that sometimes I think it's valid to be like, I need to keep working at home, especially if like you have a kid or something. Yes, and it's 100%. like, man, childcare is absurdly expensive where I am. And it's just better. But I, but, I get all that. But I think you just get a lot of times like the, these two people I'm referring to namelessly think you just get spoiled because yeah. I think yeah. they because they are just spoiled by getting to hang out all day and not having to be accountable to a boss looking over. Maybe I'm just old school, but if someone's paying you, then it's what they think is best for the company. Right. And if they're really good people, they'll be open to taking care of you. And if you think working from home is better for you and isn't going to harm the company, that's a conversation you can have. But I'm kind of with wheels that if, if your name is on my paycheck, then you get to say what I do. I am the most pro-worker, pro-union guy you'll find. I think workers should be treated better. I think they should work together to negotiate better terms for themselves. I'm all for sag after guys. I'm always for the sports unions when they're, in labor disputes with ownership, this is not about being against workers. It's just a simple observation of reality, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the people that employ you determine the, me, the conditions you, of employment. If you guys started a 20-person company, uh, and it could go either way. People could do their work from home, um, but you think, you know, it would probably be better, more, you know, synergy if we were all here and seeing each other's faces and having conversations. Which way would you go? I mean, I think for every really great at-home worker, there's probably someone who's doing the absolute bare minimum. And maybe my brain is a little bit poisoned from this because I just, during the pandemic especially, I would see videos and TikToks and all sorts of posts. And I know they were supposed to be jokes, but it would be people being like, oh, when you're out at Target and you get the notification that you have a Zoom meeting in three minutes, so you blah, blah, blah. Like people who worked from home just joked about it so much and made such a big deal of the fact that they weren't doing anything that I've kind of been convinced that a lot of people are just doing the bare minimum while they're working from home. I know know people work from home people who have gone on actual like full on vacations and they just were able to do a little enough work during those vacations. One one more clarifying question then. Um, If we all agree for the thought experiment that you can do your work just as well in Naples Mm -hmm. on vacation with your family as you can here, is this this sort of like uh, forgiving student loans that my generation's pissed about it because we had to pay ours, and we're kind of pissed that you're working from Naples on vacation just because I had to go into the office? Is there? Um, Well, I don't. I think that they're equivalent in that they're both privileges. Having your student loans forgiven is a privilege that a lot of people didn't get. Working from home is a privilege that essential workers certainly didn't get during the pandemic. So to act like someone is ripping something away from you or treating you unfairly when nurses, doctors, firemen, teachers, police, police officers. Yeah. And then not to mention like people working at McDonald's, people working at any sort of restaurant, people doing radio, people shows doing radio life. shows. <laughs> we didn't have the option to work from home ever. So I don't know. It, they're just, see, it's coming from me who never got to work from home either. 
but it just it just seems so entitled to be like you can't make me go back when some of us were doing it the whole time and we never had the option to not do it. Yeah. And what now if I were running the company that you, in the scenario Dave that you put out there if if I can measure the quality of work that's being done and say everything is being done as I need it to be done and you want to work from home, cool. I have no issue with that. I'm not I'm not about be here if you or, or you can't possibly be doing a good job. I think some of that is overdone. I think ma- making people sit at a desk for eight hours just because it's eight hours is stupid. If you have five hours of work that day, do five hours. If you have ten, do ten. I mean, like I I think we've gotten we've gotten too formatted in how we always did it. And I'm I'd be perfectly okay if the job is doable from Naples. If you're at the beach and you can have your laptop and still do the job, cool, do it. I'm fine with it. But it's that bigger thing that you still, as the employee, have the freedom to go get a different job if you don't like the way the one is where you are. And if you if you can't find a better replacement, well, then you do what generations of people have done, and you stick it out until you can find something better. One of the stories about millennials and, I guess, Gen Z uh, that I've covered for the past 10 years have been, oh, these guys just don't care about... Uh, their careers the way that the boomers did and, you know, saving for uh, uh, for retirement and and you know, the way that we've always lived our lives. You know, for them, it's all about connection and having fun and personal health and mental health and and their career comes second, maybe third, maybe fourth. Do you guys sense that being true or do you think that's just more something that media kind of ran with? I care about my career, but I also care about my mental health. I don't wrap my identity up in my career the way I used to when I was younger. And I do think a lot of that is because the culture has shifted a bit and it's kind of become more okay to be like, all right, well, if that's if this doesn't work out, it doesn't make you a failure. You're not your job. Um, I just think with issues like this, we... We have a tendency to not realize how privileged and how spoiled we are. So then it spills out into like, well, you're never going to get me to do this any other way. You're abusing me. You're treating me poorly. And you're not taking into account the fact that you're doing something that's act- like like if you're working from home and you're primarily just sending emails and coordinating things from your computer all day, that's a really cushy, easy job most of the time, right? Maybe just acknowledge that and be grateful for the time you had rather than being like, you can never get me to go back ever again. Mm-hmm. And maybe, again I'm, maybe I'm being too harsh here, but... I don't think so because, again, you still have the freedom to change jobs. Yeah. There are plenty of jobs that will allow remote work, and if you find them, get it, and that's good for you just, because you should do... acknowledge the privilege that you have. I also don't know that any one of us owes it to TGI Fridays to work at the office but, boy, the economy of downtowns are really taking a hit. I mean, St. Louis is a special case, of course. Yeah. But when we walked to the ball game yesterday, how many high-rises did we walk by that are just empty? Yeah. And how many uh, empty spaces where there used to be thriving restaurants? And a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it has to be that those office buildings just aren't filled with workers anymore. Yeah. And to be clear, this might be a horrible idea for the company. You might lose a lot of valuable people and you might replace them with people that aren't better, just but they're willing to come into the office. So it's not like it's automatically better. That's not the argument. The point is, 
They're, they they own the company. They get to decide what the rules are. They get to decide dress code. They get to decide what the conduct in the workplace is allowed to be, how loose, how tight, whatever. It would, it would seem to me that if this trend continues, and, and even in the last five years, that we our communication has gone from primarily face-to-face, going to work and seeing people and going to happy hour and going to dinner and things like that, uh, and with the advent of working from home and COVID and uh, uh, you know social media and such, that most of our interactions are probably virtual. Yeah. Mm. Or at least we're getting to that point, which is a weird tipping point, that if most of our human interactions are not face-to-face and it just keeps going that way in the future, we're going to be a weird bunch of monkeys. Well, you're going to breed a bunch of Rachels who are worried that every small talk conversation they have is awkward and weird, and then they're going to do everything they can to avoid those kind of interactions. I think we're already there in a lot of ways. Um, I was talking to a friend the other night, and they were at their child's like sports practice, and it, it was last night. It was a beautiful night. And they were like, it's so weird. All the parents are hanging out in their cars instead of getting out a lawn chair and sitting and watching this, you know. Interesting. So yeah. I, I that but really mom, struck me. You know, my mom still lives in the house that she and my dad built in 1946. And she will lament the fact that neighbors don't, you know, uh, check on her or, you know, they don't. I never see my neighbors. And I'm like, Mom, this is not a you thing. This is everywhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll see my neighbors once in a while. Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. But they're, I, they're, to my knowledge, for most people, there are very few, like, get-togethers and barbecues. With neighbors, you might have your family come over. But it seems like a lot of, a lot of my times are passing. The kind of stuff I grew up with being fun and this is what this is just what you do. Like you said, you go to a baseball practice, you get out your lawn chair, baby crack a beer, you'd, you know, BS around, people come over and sit in the garage. Like that stuff doesn't just doesn't happen as much. Weird. 223 in the dot DGS. Rick, how you doing on your day off, buddy? I'm doing great on my day off. I had such a great day yesterday with a uh, another Tommy Edmond walk-off win. I also went to see uh, uh, city soccer plays so well, STL City, and, and that was uh, just awesome to be uh, in that venue. I had such a terrific time there, so all was well. I mean, it, it really does go to show you. I, I mean, everyone wants the Cardinals to win. Everyone wants us to have winning seasons in red October and the whole bit. But, right. like, the last two days have been really fun just watching baseball. Yeah, they felt normal. You know, one of the things I've been on, and I, and I say with all sincerity, you come to the ballpark, it's about the experience. Do you want to win? Of course you do. The players certainly do. Uh, but there's, you know, there's family moments. There's, you know, just being there. Now, do, do, did I like the fact that City won last night? Yeah, I did. I mean, I'm glad it was a nice celebration uh, in terms of soccer after a baseball walk-off, too. But but honestly, if they didn't, I would have had a wonderful memory with uh, with my wife and my daughter being at a soccer game. So, uh, you know, it's just uh, that's part of the experience for sure. I was really happy to see Mason Wynn get that double. Yeah. Uh, that that led to the uh, the walk off. That was fantastic. Well, I was happy to see Josh Hader throw him a slider after throwing two fastballs <laughs> nine hundred million miles an hour past him, and then he tried to trick him with a slider. You know, I, I've been there. I tried to trick people before, but I, I've never been Josh Hader. But but the point was, I feel like he gave him a chance there. But but Mason still came through. He's an exciting player. I like the fact that he uh, kind of stretched the single into a double too. It was a, kind of a kind of a chancy thing to do, but it worked. Yeah, I like his attitude. He's aggressive. He no, there's no doubt he's a good player. He's going to be a. I think he's going to be a very good player. Rick, when you look at him and Jordan Walker, obviously they've played together. They're good friends, and 
They come from the same draft, the same generation of guys. These guys have been playing in highly competitive environments probably since they were 14 years old, where they're yeah. traveling around and you're playing the best of the best. And it, it, they look like they feel like they belong, whether they yes. do or don't at any given moment. Of course, they're rookies. You never know. But they don't look like they feel out of place. Well, I got to say, I felt like there was a time where Jordan Walker may have been wondering, you know, boy, this league's a little hard for me right now. I don't think I felt that with Mason Wynn. And he, there's a difference between the two. I mean, I love them both. Trust me. I'm not comparing them in terms of who's better. But the point is, Mason Wynn has got a confidence that I don't think uh, you're going to shake no matter what you do. And I think Jordan was kind of feeling like, man, I'm feeling my way here. I'm tentative. He was tentative on the bases, tentative in right field, tentative at the plate. But he's not any of that right now. And, and it's good to see him kind of get past that. I mean, I think a lot of rookies do go through that where you realize, you know, this is a, it's a tough league. man. Every, every day somebody's throwing hard and somebody has a nasty slider. And I think uh, those two guys are starting to get settled a little bit, which uh, clearly is good for us. You know, speaking of that, uh, you know, Wheels is a, is a baseball coach and, you know, probably every kid he coaches or their parents think, you know, there's a chance, there's a chance we can, you know, yeah. make it to the bigs. And then you look at like Harrison Bader, you know, a Cardinal fan favorite, all the talent in the world works his ass off. Just a great player, but he's human. He's not yeah. superhuman. And sometimes, and he's, he's had a great career and he, hopefully he'll continue to, but there are times and you have seen them. You could probably list 50 guys that just the, the, the body's willing, you know, but it, you're, it's yeah. a hard game. Well, I could list 50 or more guys that never made it to the big leagues that were more talented than people that yeah. we might talk about. And you might know it, it is really, it's just kind of knowing how to find that kind of little difference that makes you uh, being able to uh, be able to compete at the, at the, at the greatest level in, in the land. I mean, there's 7 billion people on the planet and you're talking about, you know, 26 man roster times 30, not a lot of people. And you, yeah. and if you kind of slip just a little bit an injury, an injury, or maybe you're not as flexible, or maybe you're not as strong, or maybe you get a little older, it's really tough to hang on. I mean, there's always somebody uh, looking to take your job and, and he, there's no doubt we're talking. And, and so when we say a guy made a bad play, he made a bad play, but he's still one of the best players uh, in the universe. It's interesting too, Rick, because we always think of quote unquote talent, right? Um, but there are guys in double A, triple A that are as physically gifted as anybody you're going to yeah. see in the big leagues. And we can, we can kind of loosely cover the other stuff as mental, but sometimes yeah. it's just being adaptable. It's okay. Yeah. This didn't work. Yeah. I can do something else. And this didn't work. I can do something else versus being rigid in your thought. And that's why there's so many ways for guys to compete and reach this level. Well, it's one of the things we make the mistake of is, and, and I'm not anti-analytical, Kevin, and I know you love the analytics, and I, and I like them. I love, I mean, I'm a numbers guy too, but I think at some point there's something that separates a guy competitively to where he can make a quicker adjustment than the other guy. And I don't know if there's a number for that. I mean, we're a guy on the, on the mound. You don't have to show me a spreadsheet. I can see that the guy's opening up at the plate, so I'm going to throw him something down in the way, or I'm going to crowd him in because I think I can get him there. I mean, that is the, that is the competition at the nth degree level of baseball that's really intriguing to me. Enjoy your day off, Rick. Thanks, guys. Welcome back, guys. DG Asson, KMOX 235. So there are a lot of uh, anti-Trump people out there who you will hear say hyperbolic things like, well, if he gets elected again, that's it. He'll be a dictator for life and X, Y, Z. And 
And uh, you know how I feel about uh, Donald Trump. I'm not a fan, but I, I always roll my eyes at that. Like, oh, come on. It's, that's, that's not a thing. And I read an article yesterday uh, that talked about how there are forces out there, real people, like the Heritage Foundation, for example, uh, who have uh, – they're making plans. They're making plans for when Donald Trump is reelected and how they're going to reshape the government. And I told Andrew, my producer, hey, get me somebody to talk about this article and uh, – I'll be damned. He got me the author of the article, uh, Lisa Mascaro, who is the chief congressional correspondent for AP. Uh, Lisa, I am fascinated by this. I am terrified by this. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, hi, Dave. Thanks so much for having me. So tell the story. I, I bet most of the people out there listening don't even know of this. And I only know what I read in the article. So so educate us. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting about this is, is it is unfolding, you know, before our eyes. This is not a secret plan. There's nothing um, hidden about it. You can go to the website and sort of see for yourself. Um, and there's been other reporting out there. Um, the AP just decided it was time for us to sort of take a look. Uh, here in Washington, there's just sort of a number of conservative groups who have got together, um, they call it Project 2025. And um, these are some of the leading conservative sort of think tanks, and a lot of them have sort of uh, political arms, which do more campaign-related work as well. Heritage, the big sort of venerable think tank, is leading the effort. Um, and, and they had done a similar project like this, uh, not with all the same details, but a similar project um, ahead of Ronald Reagan's um, presidential, you know, campaign and run. Uh, you know, what would it look like if there was a Republican uh, president in the White House and they wanted to sort of provide some policy positions, some ideas so that the new president could hit the ground running. Well, 50 years later, they're doing it again, but they've expanded. They've brought in what we call sort of a constellation of these other conservative groups, quite a long list, as you can see on their, mm -hmm. on their, their website. Um, and they're putting together this very giant book, uh, nearly 1,000 pages of proposals for a new, uh, you know, sort of conservative administration. Now, there are many uh, um, former uh, administration officials from the previous, from Donald Trump's administration involved. And of course, since Donald Trump is at this point the front runner, the early front runner uh, to, for the Republican side nomination, you know, in many ways, these proposals um, would be for him, right, mm -hmm. if he were to get the nomination. But really, they say it's, it's for any, um, you know, conservative candidate, you know, there's Ron DeSantis, these others, you know, who could win the White House. Um, and the proposals are, are interesting. Some of them are familiar proposals that conservatives have put out for a long time, you know, a smaller government, um, and they go sort of agency by agency. But a lot of this really shows what they're proposing really shows the way former President Trump's vision has become a sort of much more mainstream conservative vision. You know, when he first took office, he was seen as such a sort of outlier, 
Um, and, you know, many Republicans, many conservatives were somewhat wary. They had, you know, they had backed other candidates. You know, listeners might remember back, you know, back in 2016, uh, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, you know, these other sort of more somewhat more traditional Republican candidates. But now in the years since, it really shows the influence former President Trump has had on the movement overall, where so many of these former Trump officials are populating this effort and really proposing uh, a new administration so much more aligned with his vision. Um, and then just one thing I'll quickly say, and then I'll, I'll, I'll quit talking here and you can ask questions, but the um, central to the effort is something that um, uh, former President Trump had put in place right before the he left office. Um, it was the so-called Schedule F proposal, which was a way to create, um, it would basically uh, allow um, the administration to fire um, civil servants more easily and replace them with others. You know, civil servants often have some career protection, so of course they can be fired. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of a duplicative effort, um, but but it, it changes the ability of the of the executive branch, the White House, to really go in and sort of shake up um, the the longtime uh, career civil servants and um, underpinning that. So, so the the conservatives, the, the this Project Twenty Twenty Five proposal really uses that as a tool. And these groups are out there uh, right now, as we speak, recruiting. Americans who could come in and fill some of these jobs and be more aligned with the new president. Um, the, the idea behind it is this longtime complaint that, well, you can't get, you know, the bureaucracy working fast enough. So let's just kind of, you know, bring in our old people, uh, our, excuse me, our own people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, fair enough. But, you know, those who've worked in this for a long time, say, you know, there's a reason government sometimes moves a little more slowly because it is trying to do things, you know, in a way that is by the book and is transparent and, you know, is is doing it according to laws and rules and procedures and doesn't allow for yeah. sort of a, you know, willy nilly approach. So, Lisa, uh, so I, anyway, that's yeah, in a sort of long winded no, way. No, I no. Apologize. no, no, that's what I ask you to do. So. I'm interested. In, so I'm a former lawyer, and I know that D.C. is chock full of lawyers, and, and lawyers' jobs are to manipulate language in favor of their client. And what what I want to ask is, is there anything that is uh, inherently conservative or MAGA about this? Or uh, if Biden or Newsom or one of the Democrats get in, could they look at Project 2025 and go, hey, these guys had some pretty good ideas. Let's use their schemes, but but do it in a liberal kind of way, or is it pretty much baked into conservatism? Oh, well, that's an interesting point. I mean, certainly, you know, I suppose these ideas are out there for whoever would want to run, you know, run with them. Um, You know, the point on this um, uh, proposal to sort of upturn the government workforce and, you know, replace workers, you know, that's something that um, Biden, as soon as he came in office in 2021, said, you know, thanks, but no thanks, we're not going to do that. And he, in fact, 
rescinded the executive order that that former President Trump had put in place and said, you know, we're we're not going to change the classification that would, you know, of these of these workers and allow them to be, you know, uh, more easily dispatched with, you know, because there is that sort of, I think, more of a, a belief in sort of allowing government to function the way it's supposed to function. Um, so, you know, I think if you look at the ideas that the book puts forward, um, they they do they are more conservative. But, um, you know, every uh, everything from, you know, a lot of the real, you know, uh, tough on immigration policies, um, some of the changes in the Department of Defense and the Justice Department. Um, these are things that seem much more aligned with um, what. Uh, former President yeah. Trump and 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 even some of the Republicans today, you know, Ron DeSantis, Vivek Masami, are proposing. Then the Democrats would would propose, but you know, there are ideas out there, of course. Yeah. So there they are. So uh, we're talking to to uh, Lisa Mascaro from uh, AP. Uh, Lisa, only a couple minutes left here. So. I was just in D.C. about a month ago with my 18-year-old daughter, and, and it, it, I've only been there a couple times in my life. But when you're there, it strikes you like, oh, this is real. <laughs> like, these are real people. There's the Treasury Department, and there's this, and there's that. It's not a game or a, or a reality show that we watch on television. This is really happening. And you being there in the Beltway, I'm just wondering, what is the overall just vibe? We, we have uh, uh, the last president who could very well be the nominee and the next president who's under indictment, facing a thousand years in prison. We have Joe Biden, who is uh, looking like a very old 80-year-old. Just is there any, you know, ear to the ground kind of vibes you can share with us that you're picking up? Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I will say that point that you raise is 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 an important one that people, you know, I think, it's, it's, you know, we always hear, you know, everyone complains about the government, right? You complain. And I was talking to a couple of officials, um, you know, at, at one of the employee representatives. I was talking with another longtime um a professor who studies this stuff and says, look, you know, running the government, you know, Americans sometimes don't realize it is a big government in a big, big, sprawling country. And, you know, the fact that, you know, work does get done, you know, we maybe sometimes take that for granted, right? Mm -hmm. It is, you know, social security checks go out, you know, roads get paved. We live by a rule of law that for the most part, you know, is, is upheld, right? And so, you know, um, sure, there can be minor irritations. And, you know, we hear a lot of these complaints about the deep state, you know, and the administrative state. But these are really your friends and neighbors, people living in, you know, in communities all across the nation and headquartered here in Washington, D.C., that are trying to do the work of this big democracy that, you know, is still very much, a, you know, the, you know, the biggest, oldest democracy, right? You know, mm-hmm. it, it is still very much an experiment and a work in progress. And it takes an informed citizenry to continue to, you know, to, to make sure that that democracy is working and, and, and to be on guard for, you know, for attempts to, to, chisel away at yeah, it. So true. Uh, Lisa Mascaro from the AP. Lisa, thanks. I hope we talk again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Beth. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. I'll be- I was going to ask Lisa Mascaro about this, but we had too much to talk about. By the way, we, we've invited the Heritage Foundation to be on to uh, counter what Lisa was saying, if they choose to. 
Uh, Mitch McConnell. Uh, second time in uh, about a month, he froze for over 30 seconds. I- I've watched several doctors, pundits on television talk about it. And uh, he's been given the, given the, the all medical clear. Um, I, I, I mean, to me, it's not even so much about the age. You know, I mean, he's 81 and no offense at all. But the guy seems to have aged about five years in the last year, which I guess I can understand. It's been trying times. Uh, but he's like top 10 most important people in the government and probably top 50 in the world. If he were 38 and doing this, I'd be saying at least take a break. Yeah. Uh, I just think that I, I worry about him. I, I'm not the biggest Mitch McConnell fan in the world, but he's a he's a person and he's served the country for forever. And. I don't want to see anyone go through that. It's not a good look for anyone. And I just think, I don't know, I think at least he needs to take a step back, maybe think about uh, taking a step down. You got a line about this, Rach, on the rundown, about just this whole dynamic. Like, this group of people doesn't want to retire. Yeah, for whatever reason, I mean, working class people in general really look forward to retirement. They're counting down the years, the months, the weeks, the days. And it's like, I can't wait to have this time with my family and enjoy myself. But if you're in Congress, it's like the exact opposite. It's almost as if this is the only thing giving them life. It's, it's, it's makes you wonder like, what is the incentive to stay? Why are you guys so obsessed with the, I mean, I, I know it's money and power, but yeah, I think power more than money. As I was saying to to Lisa Mascaro there, when and I mentioned this when Phoebe and I came back from D.C., when you are there, like the, one of the first things that happened was we were in an Uber going to our hotel and uh, uh, probably 10 black SUVs being led by probably 10 police cars went through. And I'm like, oh, my God, I think that's Biden. And our Uber driver's like, nah, it's just a diplomat. Like this yeah. happens 20 times a day. My point is when you're there. It's so impressive to just most of us mere mortals can't imagine being the person in that SUV being led by that motorcade because you're so damn important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that would be pretty difficult to walk away from. Yeah. And I and I, I, I think you make a good point, Dave. This isn't entirely about age, but we all know it as you age. Health issues become bigger issues. They become more problematic. They become more difficult. So. The average age of a U.S. senator, I'm sorry, median age of a U.S. senator is 10 years older now than it was 20 years ago. It's almost 15 years older than it was 30 and 40 years ago. It's the same people. They're not leaving, and the presidency is happening the same way. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Thank <laughs> you.